There is a library that exists at the nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Previously on the Eternity Archives. If anything happens, I'll just throw you over my shoulder and run out of here. I would like to try and tune in to the tree, because I think there's something up with the tree specifically. It's like almost like two parts of this tree are like bashing against each other. Who does it regard as the biggest threat? Itself. It's kind of like two people are yelling inside your head. To me, it kind of feels like something running on instinct, and sort of that instinct or balance has been disrupted. My dad was in his study, but through the door, I heard him talking, and he said he was going to take Mark, and he was going to pin it on Betsy. My name's Linda Baumgartner, and I'm a reporter from uh, smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Jack Whitaker, as I'm sure you know, but there is no smalltownfestivals.blogspot.com. I just want you to know that I am keeping an eye on you. He has very threatening, very overwhelming energy. I feel like he's part of the tree, or he's got tree spirits in him or something. Well, then we should light him on fire. We're gonna have to set somebody or something on fire one way or another. everybody and welcome to the Eternity Archives, an actual play podcast where interdimensional librarians try to keep the multiverse intact and uh, sometimes it's difficult to remember which universes have Google. Unfortunately, this happens to be one of those universes. My name is Kite, my pronouns are they, them, and I play Real Day Drakel, a tiefling baby, and also the anchor for this arc. I couldn't think of any more monster questions, so instead, uh, what do you guys think is the best kind of pie? Personally, I like strawberry rhubarb. Uh, I actually don't like peach pies or peach flavored anything, but I do like peaches. Uh, That's kind of going to be the biggest twist in in this arc so far. This is where I've peaked. (laughs) What about y'all? I'm Dorka. My pronouns are she, her. I'm playing Zen, the lizard lady with the monstrous playbook. I do like Peach, but it's not my favorite. I actually have kind of a story for this one. Ziva and I went to see this movie years and years ago. Oh my god, so long ago. We actually went to see a different movie first, but my mom had wanted to see a movie with me that day. Ziva thinks my mom thought we were on a date. And she was crashing it. (laughs) So I saw a movie with Ziva, and then my mom took us both to a movie. And that movie was Waitress, and it's like this dumb little rom-com, but the main character in that movie makes a lot of pies. 
one of the pies she makes in this movie is a strawberry chocolate pie and I learned how to make that pie and I've made that pie a lot and I love it so that is my favorite pie the, the strawberry chocolate pie from waitress and now you and Ziva are married and you guys you just make her <laughs> strawberry chocolate pies all the time it's adorable we are married but tragically not to each other oh well I mean you can fix that that's what divorce laws are for <laughs> So I'm Siva, my pronouns are she, her, and my character is Linda, the spooky human office lady who at the moment is very salty about suddenly remembering that Google is a thing. (laughs) I don't have like a super exciting story about my favorite pie. Uh, I just really love cherry pie. And the faker and grosser it is, like the more out of a can it comes from, that's like the best cherry pie. I love that gross, sticky cherry pie filling. It's like barely food, but it's so good. (laughs) But like, do you like it tart or do you like it super sweet? Oh, tart. I like tart cherries. Yes. Let's all have some cherry pies. I don't. I don't feel like doing this episode. I don't like cherry pie, so I'll pass and do the episode instead. Okay, you can. Oh well, (laughs) we'll have some celebratory cherry pie afterwards. Here's my here's my show notes. Uh, You can take care of it. I believe in you. (laughs) Now, wait until you hear how she does the voices, y'all. It's unbelievable. Last time we harassed some more teenagers, and by we, I mean you guys. Sorry. Yeah, why do you guys keep doing that? Because all they do is lie. Yeah, they're not good at telling us things. Yeah, well, I mean, they tell you things. They're just not truthful things. Oh, valid. You know, at this rate, you guys aren't going to be welcome back to uh, Seagrass, and you're you're never going to have uh, the best peach pies in the multiverse. But you did find out a little bit more about this town, and the consensus is it's still fucked up. You, you just found out it's more fucked up than you originally thought. And... <laughs> The mayor's kind of a sketchy dude, besides knowing what Google is. And once again, all the children in this town are horrible. So hopefully uh, you can just ignore them from now on and try to talk to adults instead who will hopefully not lie to you. You make your way over to the foster home, Miriam's Miriam's house. What do you do? Like, do you just go up and like knock the door or like what? Yeah, no, I think we just go up and knock on the door. So someone answers the door. It's a little kid, maybe 10 or 12, around that age. And they look at you. And then they close the door. <laughs> oh, no. All right, I knock on the door again. Who is it? We need to talk to Miriam. Uh, she's asleep. I need to talk to her anyway. Um, no. We're friends of hers. Can you can you let us in so we can talk to her? It's It's urgent. It's kind of an emergency. No, you're strangers. Did this kid think to lock the door or can I just open it and get inside? <laughs> just push past a child? You could absolutely just do that. I'm done being nice to children. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, you very easily push back this child, open the door. They like yelp in like surprise. And then they would jump on your back. Like with their fists just gonna kind of uh, pound on you, I guess. And be like, no, you're breaking in. This is why strangers aren't allowed. And they start yelling, stranger danger. Stranger danger. <laughs> This is just like a child on my back, and I'm okay with that. It can't slow me down. Zen is just going to start opening doors until she finds the one with what she needs. Oh my god. Linda, are you doing anything? I'm just like trying to clean up after Zen's mess. I'm like closing the door behind me, and I'm just like looking absolutely mortified. Okay. Uh, I'm following her and just like making sure the kid doesn't like, you know, pound on the spinal cord or anything too important. But um they're also a small child, so I'm not super concerned. This kid doesn't have the strength to hurt me. <laughs> like my head is in my hands and I'm just kind of following after Zen like, 
why is this how this is going? Yeah, as this kid is beating up on you and you're like walking through the house. It's a pretty big house, but it's not like a super nice house necessarily. Like it's more like it fits the needs of a place that needs lots of space. At the moment, it seems everyone else is kind of out of the house besides this kid and they're behind you so you wouldn't see this but linda would probably see this where they like open their mouth and you can see like <laughs> their fangs elongate their teeth would sharpen and they'd like bite zen's shoulder oh no is this like a daddy long legs where their teeth are too small and <laughs> <laughs> it's not their teeth it's their mouths are too small yeah, okay <laughs> they bite you but like you have scales and stuff and they're like a child so <laughs> they're not really gonna hurt you um you feel like the prick of their teeth but it it doesn't hurt you as this child is screaming and saying that they're going to like beat you up and so as they're making all this noise you hear a familiar voice like at the top of the stairs Oh, Winston, what is all this noise about? And the little kid would be like, There's strangers in the home! They broke in! And I'm gonna yell up, Hey, Miriam! (laughs) And I'm just gonna stand there and just go, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And she kind of like looks at the scene in front of her where it's, I imagine it's just like Linda and Zen's standing there and then the kid is like, just like, I'm giving this kid a piggyback ride at this point. They're punching me, but I'm holding onto their legs so they don't fall off. And she kind of has like an amused smile on her face and she descends the stairs and then she would pick up the child and like place them on the floor and be like, oh, these aren't strangers. You haven't met them yet, but they are my associates. This is Zen. And this is Linda. The, the little kid would like look at both of you, like narrowing their eyes at you. Okay, but I'm watching you. And they slowly back up into the living room and then disappear <laughs> behind a wall. And then they poke their head at you and then make like a biting motion and then go back into the living room to watch, uh, I don't know, Naruto or some shit. <laughs> Whatever the kids watch these days. It's Boruto now, right? Oh, yes. Watch some Boruto. And so she would look at you guys and just be like, Oh, I didn't expect you uh, to come in today. Is is there something I could help you with? Uh, how are you going along with this investigation? Give, give me a progress update since you're already here. Well, we've made some discoveries. And Zen would just kind of give her a run through of what we found out and what our theories are. And I think particularly Zen would note that these kids were like doing this magic out of her spell book without really understanding what it does, but since it belonged to Miriam, maybe she has a better understanding of how the spell would take effect. Um, so, like, while you're explaining this, she would, like, uh, not like a kitchen? What, what is, like, a, what's, like, a fancy room you can drink in? A foyer? You don't drink in the foyer. I don't know. The dining room? Yeah, I guess, like, the dining room. The salon. Yeah, so they have a sal- salon. Saloon? Salon? Salon if it's in your house, saloon if it's in the old west. <laughs> okay, yes. What if it's both? And it's just saloon with three O's. Saloon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she would take you to whatever drinking room there is. Drinking social room, um, adult fun room, and... There's so much drinking in this episode. Um, and she would pour you guys uh, wine or whatever. Milk or water if you prefer instead. I like that for her, this is like a breakfast wine. I mean, you know, it is kind of in the morning. Like, is this probably like late morning, right? Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe like brunch time. Okay, yeah, yeah, totally. So, okay, do you guys rat out Freya? 
Well, if I was the one talking, then yes, I've told her like all of the things with all of the names. Oh my gosh. Would it, and how do you react to this, Linda? Well, I think I would probably say something along the lines of, listen, don't tell Freya that we told you, and she just, she meant well. Don't get her in any trouble. She's just a kid. Honestly, Miriam doesn't look too, too disturbed by this, or even like annoyed. She just kind of takes this in with like a plain face as she sort of thinks all of this over. So specifically, what are you asking her? I'm asking her if she knows anything about this particular spell that was used, and if it were cast, I guess, using the tree as a focus, how might that take effect? Okay, and I'm guessing you have told her about all of Linda's tune-ins and, like, all the things she's seen and whatnot. Yeah, I think, assume that everything we know, she now knows. Okay, so she thinks upon this swirling the wine in her glass and her brows furrowed, And she'd be like, so you say this tree has a duality? Yeah, there's something there. It's almost like it can't make its mind up, or like there are two trees. I think you might have something with that last one. Not that there's two trees, but maybe two parts of the trees. One is in Jack, perhaps the malicious energy that you've been feeling. And the second one in the woods, where I suspect... Betsy and Mark are hiding at the moment, waiting to, I don't know, maybe stop Jack's plans? Because why would the tree take both of the children? Why not just one or the other if it needed some kind of body or physical form? So, Miriam, you know this town better than anyone. What do we do? It sounds like the mayor is the problem, but he's keeping an eye on us, and it's obviously going to be a problem if we just, you know, take care of him. So, what do we do? It seems that he still plans to continue with whatever dastardly plan he has. Something perhaps involving sacrificing innocence. I suspect that is a key to how his family has held power in this town all these years. Otherwise, it doesn't make much sense. Zen thinks we should just take him out. Yep. I don't know if fighting him is really the best idea here. You can't really gauge how much magical energy maybe has been instilled in their bloodline just from being near this magical tree this whole time. So what if we just take out the peach tree? Uh, That's definitely a plan. I believe Jack would be on high alert, and it may be difficult to sneak past any security he already has or may have implemented ever since the kids went missing. Well, we were just there, and he didn't seem to have any security to speak of. He does seem to be a little suspicious at the moment. You run into him, correct? Unfortunately. uh, He knows we're not really journalists, and he knows that we don't belong here so he's a little suspicious. He is definitely on the lookout for anything involving you two, particularly, especially since uh, you are involved with me. You see, he is not particularly a fan of my properties or my children, so I do apologize for making this task a bit more difficult for you two. Well, that's all right. I'm sure we'll figure something out. Zen, do you think maybe we should get prepared to go after that tree? Yeah. Okay, yeah. When do you guys, like, what is your plan? I think, frankly, our plan is to to get up to the manor and, if we can, fight our way back to that tree. And burn it down. And then burn it down. Yeah, basically. Okay, 
that works. So I guess we'll let Miriam go back to bed and we'll go stock up. Does she have anything that will help us burn down a tree besides like matches? She probably has like a flamethrower in the armory or something. Yes. If she does, that would be amazing. Uh, yes. <laughs> She'd be like, yes, please go ahead and take that flamethrower and burn that bitch down. <laughs> um. <laughs> and then she would give you a phone number so you guys can like ping her anytime, you know, without being attacked by her children. And then she would give you guys the keys. I think she trusts you guys enough, especially since you were part of the library. Um, so yeah, so she goes back to bed and you guys go to the armory. So uh, just like walk me through the timeline of what you guys do, your prep and all that stuff. So I think we immediately go to the armory and get the goods. Yeah. We'll get a flamethrower. Do you think we can just like knock on the door and just like barrel through? Or do you think we should like try and like climb over the fence to the backyard? I think the second one. Okay. So we'll need some kind of, I mean, just like rope. We don't need like fancy climbing gear, especially because Zen is tall and strong. I'll just throw you over the wall. Because, no, we can't go through the front door because those kids are so freaking afraid of being grounded. <laughs> Presumably he'll be there if we're there at, like, night. So, yeah, I think we'll just climb. We'll have the flamethrower. We should bring some backups, matches, and lighters and stuff in case, like, you know, just in case. Um, we already have our shotgun and big knives and stuff. And, of course, we need sneaky clothes. So Linda gets pumped about the makeover montage again. And she puts <laughs> on, like, her sneaky clothes. I love Linda. <laughs> Zen changes into a black trench coat. <laughs> so yeah, I think we're in good shape. We're ready to roll. What time do you guys like sneak into the house? I think as soon as possible, like while the mayor is still at the festival. Yeah, as soon as it's dark. See, it's summer, so maybe like nine o'clock. Yeah, so he might still be there or he might be like traveling back, but it's not like everyone's inside asleep battening down the hatches, so... Okay, so when you get to the house, what do you do? There are lights and stuff on. Are the whole grounds, like, illuminated, or is it just, like, the lights in the house are on? There's, like, backyard lights on. They're probably, like, automatic or something like that. They're, like, fairy lights around the fence and stuff. Zen doesn't know about the possibility of automatic lights, so that's not a concern <laughs> for me. I think we're just gonna have to try and stay in the shadows as best we can and, like... Go around the back. It's a big house, so unless people are, like, actively watching the spot we break in at... And we might get lucky and it might be the kids who are going to be like really suspicious but aren't necessarily going to like come out and shoot us or something like that so i will say when you're walking up the hill roll me a hunch which is sharp both of us no 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 this is a special spooky ability just me oh right so i rolled 10 minus one Okay, so you got a nine. It's a good thing you're kind of already on the way, but you do get an overwhelming sense of something pulling you towards the mayor's house. Like, there is something that is going wrong right now. Oh, boy. So when you guys get there, the bad thing or whatever is already happening. Oh, boy. You're definitely pressed for time. So it matters more to get over the fence and get there than it does to be, like, sneaky sneaky about it. Yes. Okay. Let's scale this fence then. All right. Do you want me to like give you a boost so that you can get over first before I climb over myself? Yes. <laughs> you just pick her up and throw her. <laughs> I I'm going to do like the cheerleader hold and let her like stand on my hands and push her up. Okay. How she gets down the other side is up to her. I feel reasonably confident that I can like swing a leg over the fence, kind of balance on the top for a second, swing the other leg over and sit on there and just kind of like jump it's not like a 20 foot tall fence right it's like a normal like six to ten foot fence 
Yeah, just normal house fence. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, then like it stings a little bit, but I'm I'm good. Yeah, it, it's like you can definitely climb over it if you're tall enough. Okay. Like Zen could probably just do a little hop over it and be fine. <laughs> so kind of like as you enter this, the perimeter of the yard, you see how all the like the wooden fences have kind of like lights strung around the entire fence, which is a very long way. And it's almost kind of like eerie because yeah, there's like a couple lights like in the front of the house and in some rooms, but there's an oppressive feeling coming from where you would assume the peach tree is. All you can really see is whatever dim light the fence provides. There's kind of like a dimly lit path that weaves around the yard. Can we see the tree though? Yeah, you can see the tree. Okay, well, let's not waste any time. Let's just hoof it over. Yeah. You head towards the tree. The tree lights up with the automatic lights kind of like glowing mysteriously, but also technology. As your focus is on the tree, you feel a presence off to the side. And if you look over, you see the mayor lounging in a lawn chair looking at you guys. Oh, no. He just kind of smiles at you and is like, I hadn't expected a second interview so soon. We know you're up to something. I am not up to anything except looking over and protecting my town and preserving the order of Sweetgrass. And sometimes killing children. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't buy that. Zen is kind of just gonna, like, heft the flamethrower and head for the tree. I think if Zen's going for the tree, Linda's gonna go for the mayor and try to keep him distracted. Like, she knows she can't, like, take him, but she can at least, like, keep him off of Zen. Okay. So I guess roll to kick some ass? Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and roll to kick some ass. Alright, I'm gonna use my big knife because I feel like a shotgun is like uh, overkill a little bit. I rolled. Oh no! Oh jeez, what happened? Oh no. I rolled um, a three and my tough is minus one. Oh no. no. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna use a point of luck to change that to a 12. Nice. Okay, and then what's the additional effect you picked? Oh, I forgot about that. So I want to give plus one forward to another hunter and I wanna give it to Zen. Okay, um, so describe to me, how does this happen? How are you attacking him? Linda's just going to let loose like a primal scream, basically, and run forward and maybe like, um, not try to do something lethal, but maybe like stab him in the hand. Something that like would hurt, but is not going to be fatal in any way. So as you do this, you stab him in the hand and he winces. Like, it, obviously the, the knife goes straight through his hand and it, it hurts. So he takes one harm. Okay. Um, as you do this though, like, he winces for a moment and it, it kind of blood is trailing down his hand. But the next moment, his face twists up in like kind of a fucked up looking grin. The blue of his eyes darken a little bit and almost like swirls with something. And he lets out like this horrible cackle. Oh no. And he would grab you by the shoulder with his other hand. And it's just like a very tight squeeze. Like this dude is a lot stronger than he looks. Like, the pressure is almost feels enough to, like, shatter bone, but it's like he's holding back a little bit. And his hands would start to warp into a more monstrous-looking form. Uh. And the fingers just turn into, like, nebulous-looking claws. 
the rest of his body also adapts the shape. That's just like, how do I explain this? Tree? No, not not necessarily a tree, but he. It's definitely like kind of monstrous and like demonic looking. My notes I wrote here. I wrote he will fucking demon Hulk out. So <laughs> kind of imagine that, I guess. <laughs> oh, like a like a doom. Like a doom? Yeah, like doom's got all these like fucking beefy demon monsters. Yeah, yeah, he's just gonna look like a beefy demon monster, and his muscles look all fucked up and like twisted, and this isn't the way a normal human person looks, and he is going to probably pick you up and then throw you. Oh dear. He's gonna pick you up and throw you at Zen. I guess Zen, if you're running towards the flamethrower, to not get bowled over by Linda, roll me a act under pressure. Alright. Um, I got a two. Okay, Linda gets thrown right on top of you, and the force of his throw knocks you over. The flamethrower kind of gets, like, knocked out of your hands and probably rolls over a little bit out of reach. Well, that's not good. So as an aside, I did mark experience for failing that, and that means I filled my experience bar. Do I immediately choose a new thing, or do we wait until the end of the session? Uh, I believe you can level up in the middle, so yeah, go ahead and do that. All right. I'm going to do get plus one cool because that has fucked with me all game. Okay. So now my cool is zero instead of minus one. Nice. Good job. Um, Yeah. So he is stomping over you guys and he is just like towering over you. Like he no longer looks like a person. He just looks like a weird twisted up demon man with long arms that kind of like almost drag against the floor in like claw-like appendages as he moves towards you. It's sort of like a meandering as his feet almost like meld into the ground a little bit. So kind of like, yeah, what like Dorcas said, it's like a demon tree, a demon tree man. And despite it, there is like still like a twisted up smile on his face. And he's just like, well, I told you that you shouldn't get in my way and that I'd be watching you. Uh, But this does make my job a little bit easier. I was going to give up that mutt girl, but no one's going to care about two wayward journalists. And if they go missing or not. Is the flamethrower within arm's reach of me? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to go for it then. Okay. Give me either a read a bad situation or act under pressure. All right. Those are the same modifier for me. So Jesus, fuck. I rolled another two. Okay. Oh no. So as you like try to get up and scramble up, the roots shoot out of the grass and grab your leg and pull you down and start pulling you towards him. Oh no. I have read this situation and it is bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I then, oh boy, what do I want to do? I want to roll telepathy and I want to manipulate him without speaking. And I want to manipulate him to stop dragging Zen. Okay. Well, give me your reasoning first, because I don't want you to roll for it if the reasoning itself isn't going to even be strong enough. So give me your reasoning first and I'll let you know if, if it's even worth it to roll. So the deal is that Linda knows that this guy is fucking beefy. So she's not going to be able to just like break his concentration by fighting him. She knows she needs to get to the tree, but she also wants Zen to be okay. So I think her first goal is going to be get Zen loose enough that they can go and destroy the tree. Okay, so what does what would she say? Like what words does she put in his mind? Uh, I guess the words that she would put in his mind would be um, maybe just let her go. 
Okay. I'm just trying to decide if this would be more of a manipulate someone or protect someone. Yeah, I can't do that one telepathy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. Try and manipulate someone. Okay. So I'm gonna do a manipulate someone and I- oh, drop my dice. <laughs> so I'm gonna roll again. I rolled a- oh no. I rolled a two plus two. I rolled a four. Okay, so you try to put these words in his mind and, like, bend his will. And he just, like, laughs it off. And he's just like, uh, Oh, you can't break my spirit. This is a spirit that has been growing inside of our family for hundreds of years. So, I also reached the end of my experience bar, so I'm gonna level up. (laughs) I am taking another spooky move. Okay. And I am taking Hex. Ooh. Okay. Which lets me use magic and potentially magically harm a target. Do that now. <laughs> okay. So I am going to hex, use magic, which is weird. Mm-hmm. So I rolled a six plus two is eight. So you have to pick an effect and a glitch. Okay. So the effect is he immediately suffers two harm. Where's the two harm at? It says here the target immediately suffers two harm magic ignore armor. On the basic hunter's move sheet, there's also a list of effects and glitches. So it looks like with Hex, as well as the normal effects, you may pick from the following. So you can pick the Suffer's Harm. Okay. And you can also pick an additional effect from Use Magic. And then you also have to pick a glitch. Okay. So I would like to... Hurting him isn't really the goal. So I would like to trap a specific person, minion, or monster. I want to trap him so that he can't move. So maybe like the hex is like a ring of fire around him. So it hurts him, but also it's going to be really hard for him to like go past that. Oh yeah, fucking dope. Yeah, yeah, totally. Linda just got her mid-fight panic power up. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. The glitch... I take one harm. Okay. Linda is not a magician. She doesn't normally play with fire. So it makes sense that like she would be getting some of that. Okay, yeah, totally. So he takes two harm and he's like stuck. Okay, so is Zen still being towed away? So what I'm going to say is, you know, you try to do this telepathy to like force him to let go of her, but he doesn't. And so then you sprout up this like ring of fire and it cuts off like the root that is trying to grab Zen. And it ends up like burning it just in time, like for her to like break out of its grasp. Yay! She is free at the moment. Thanks, Linda. You're welcome. (laughs) However... This man is very large right now and very strong and he will walk through the fire and he will suffer three harm. But honestly, he looks fine. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. So I guess Zen should make another run for, I guess we should probably both make a run for the flamethrower, right? I think we need to get the tree or he's not going to go down. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, so as you guys run towards the flamethrower, he kind of chuckles and he's like, oh, I think not. And once more, the roots shoot through the ground and wrap around the handle of the flamethrower as they begin to drag towards him. So I'm just going to like pounce on those roots and basically wrestle the roots for that flamethrower using teeth and claws as needed. Okay, so I guess that would be a kick some ass, maybe? Yeah, that sounds like kicking ass. Kicking grass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a 10. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your additional effect? I'm going to give plus one forward to Linda for whatever she decides to do. Okay, all right. So you use your teeth and your claws to like bite into the roots and like cut them and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I'm just trying to get the flamethrower out of the roots. 
Okay, sure. That's a lot of harm. You do. My teeth do three and my claws do two. Yes. Damn. Some benefits to being a lizard. Uh, so he takes five harm. He's definitely looking like his, his roots look all frayed and stuff like that. And he, the smile on his face is more of like a angry, twisted kind of clenched teeth almost or clenched fangs because he's got all these sharp teeth now and so you do that five damage to him however as you do this and wrench the flamethrower out of his roots more roots do sprout out of the earth and stab into you for two harm okay i'm gonna do my unquenchable vitality so when i've taken harm i can heal myself rule cool okay so i got an eight so that means i heal one harm. So you only take one harm. But now I have a flamethrower in my hands. Yes. As he does that, he is he is about to rush you. Okay. So what are you going to do in response to that? Am I closer to the tree or am I closer to him? You're closer to him. I'd say maybe you're like 30 or 20 feet away. Okay. Because he's been moving kind of slowly and hulkishly so far. So I'm willing to bet that I can rush the tree and turn the flamethrower on it before he can catch me. Okay, do an act under pressure. And maybe Linda could do some sort of like distraction, like try and get something in his way. Yeah. Oh yeah, so you do an act under pressure and then Linda can do a help out. Yes. Okay, I got an eight. Okay. I got a seven. Uh, So that ends up being a nine, which doesn't change anything. But you also expose yourself to trouble or danger, Linda. So basically very reminiscent of what happened in forest but i guess it was like switched right zen you are running towards the tree you got the flamethrower at the ready but before you can do that linda kind of gets in the way to block his path but this is a very large tree man demon tree man and he just bowls right into her and just like also kind of like picks her up in like a sweeping motion and you will take i'll say three harm damn okie doke and so right now, Zen, it looks like you could totally burn this tree down, but you're not sure if Linda is uh, <laughs> sturdy enough to last through this. On the one hand, no. But on the other hand, Linda has like some spooky magic shit, and Zen is really single-mindedly kind of operating under the assumption that if she can burn the tree, then everything else they're dealing with is going to struggle more. So she thinks the best way for her to help Linda is to burn the tree. And I think at this point, Linda definitely knows that she's not going to be able to fight this guy and you have the flamethrower, so you should just go for it. All right, so I'm going to go for it. Okay, so first of all, Linda, how do you react? Because the longer you're in his grip, uh, the more harm you're going to take. So it's going to be like increasing per like moment. So I want to use my shotgun against him. So that's like, I'm at like the closest range possible. Okay, yeah, totally. Roll some, kick some ass. Yeah, so I rolled a eight minus one. So I rolled a seven. All right, so you both do damage to each other. So you do three damage to him and he lunges forward and bites you for another three harm. Oh my God. Okay, so I'm gonna take my luck here to avoid all harm from an injury because I cannot take that. Oh, nice. So I use up some of my luck. Okay. And then he will like toss you to the side (laughs) and then start rushing forward for Zen again. In all that time we had to spare earlier, I did learn how to use a flamethrower. Okay. (laughs) I've decided that. And so I'm gonna let it rip. 
Okay. I'm aiming for like the roots of the tree, like around the tree, like where the tree grows out of the ground. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You do that. The tree doesn't like fight back or anything, but you hear Jack like howling in like anger. Get away from that tree! And he would be like storming towards you. His pace definitely picks up and it looks like he is aiming to like attack you. Kind of like what he did to Linda, where he like barreled into her. It kind of seems like he's about to do that as well to you. Um, so what are you going to do in response to that? So he's just like charging, right? Yes. So I'm going to do a sort of jump and roll out of the way. Okay. Do a uh, act under pressure. All right. I got a two. So I'm going to use some luck to not get a two. Okay. So you do what you set out to do. So describe this scene for me. So he's charging at me, this big, angry tree hulk man. I'm lighting up this tree, spitting fire all over it. And right before he gets to me, I tuck and roll and sort of put the tree between him and myself. Yeah, so he stops short, and his motivation, his priority right now is probably to save the tree, um, which is very slowly, like, burning up. Like I said, there's no barrier, but it is, like, kind of magic, so it's not going up in flames as quick as it could be. But it is on fire, right? It is on fire, yeah. Good. And so he, like, slams into the ground with his, like, ginormous tree hands. And as he does so, there are roots that shoot up behind you. Kind of like what he did before, where he's gonna, like, impale you with them. That seems to be what he's trying to do this time. Okay. Zen thinks she can afford to take another hit and is just gonna keep shooting that fire onto that tree. Okay, so you just take the harm? Yeah. Okay, take three harm. Okay, and I'm gonna do my unquenchable vitality again. Okay. So that's just a six, which is bad. So my injuries worsen. So you don't have a plus cool? No. Okay. So uh, you take an additional harm then. All right. And you, I believe that means you're unstable, right? Yes. Okay. So you have like these roots stuck in you. You're like bleeding profusely because he has not like he's probably just like pulling them out and just like stabbing into you over and over again and he is going to walk over to you and try to pull the flamethrower out of your hands my finger's still on the trigger so he wants to oh you're just gonna set him on fire okay yeah because that's that's why she took the harm was to keep using flamethrower okay sure i don't think you have to roll for that you already have the flamethrower in your hand so yeah you just you turn the flamethrower from the tree onto him yes okay because the tree's already on fire the tree's gonna keep being on fire yeah now i'm gonna light him on fire we're gonna do that assassination after all Yeah, so then he is, he like screams in pain. He is just furious. He is so angry at everything that is going on here. He's just like, oh, it doesn't matter if I go down as long as I can take one of you with me. This sacrifice will be made. I'm gonna hit him with the shotgun again. Okay, how do you do this? Describe it to me. Well, I guess Linda's probably still on the ground at this point, so so she still has her shotgun in her hands. She, She uses it to push herself back on her feet. And I don't know, I'm assuming he didn't throw her like a hundred feet away. No, no, no. He like toss you aside. Okay, yeah. Then I, I think she would just basically aim and shoot. He's a big dude, so she's unlikely to like miss and hit Zen. Right, yeah. Since he's like putting all his attention towards Zen, you don't have to like roll kick some ass or anything. It just happens. So Okay, so I shoot him. Yeah, describe how you blow this man to smithereens. <laughs> 
So he is lording over Zen and he takes the blast from the flamethrower. He's having an incredibly bad time. He's making his big dramatic, the sacrifice will happen. And Linda just aims and says, this is for those kids and uh, shoots him right across his back. And it's a shotgun and she's relatively close. So that's gotta hurt to just like have like a big old shotgun blast right all over his entire back. Yeah, so your attacks through this fight have definitely weakened him and Zen's flamethrower on top of him being like scorched, your shotgun blast just like blows this guy apart into like a weird mix of wood chips <laughs> and like malevolent energy and stuff that just disappears into the sky and kind of like melds with the smoke of the tree burning down. So we just killed a man. There's no body though, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And he is it some kind of tree demon? I'm not a huge fan. And Rill's just like, I don't really know what happened, but uh, that was fucking badass. Oh, thank you. It really was. I'd like to leave. I think I need some attention. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. not doing so great either. Oh, God. Um, are you guys going to be able to get out of there? I feel like with the smoke blowing up, people are going to notice that uh, there is a fire on the house on the hill. Well, what do you think? Have we done what we needed to do? Can you pull us out of here? Uh, yeah, I guess. If, if that's what you guys want. Yes. And Rill's just like, oh, God, is there like a button? I'm so, well, I'm, how, how do I do this? And they're just like furiously page flipping. And then <laughs> eventually there's like, oh, I, I think I do, I do this. And then you guys disappear back up into the library. Yay, we did it. Into like crumpled heaps, I guess. And I'm just a bigger lizard moaning in pain. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna get you some bandages. I also baked you guys a cake while you were sleeping, but I will get to that later when you guys are no bleeding, uh, bleeding to death. Cake now. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, I'll be right back. Cake sounds pretty good. We'll, we'll, we'll be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Real runs off to get a first aid kit and also the cake, and they also trip in there on their way there because their shoes, of course, are not tied. And yeah, they bandage you guys up because they are a medical student, so. Nice. Yeah. And I think she's also like a bigger lizard again with more blood and tougher skin, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we helped those kids. Uh, I don't want to see a tree ever again. <laughs> so I think Zen's going to like flip through her journal just to like make sure that that was what needed to be done and that like it's settled and they didn't miss something down there. Okay, yeah, so I'm just wondering, when they complete something on a mission, does it give them kind of like an epilogue of, like, what happened afterwards? It I think it does could. now. Yeah. Congrats on making canon. Okay. okay. So, kind of as you're going through this epilogue, it's like a narration that walks you through what occurred after you disappeared and shows you how your presence impacted Sweetgrass. After you vanished into the night, the entire town noticed the plume of smoke rising from the mayor's house. Though no emergency calls were received, or maybe because none were received, uh, as soon as the smoke was seen, police cars, ambulances, and fire trucks rushed over to the house. The entire backyard is lit up with crackling orange flames, and glowing embers float up with the smoke. The emergency workers rushed to put out the flames, but while it was obvious what the cause of the fire was, the mystery was who and why. There was no one around, they couldn't find Jack, and they had to search the house before they finally found Jackson and Leela locked in the basement. According to them, Jack had put them there, and 
When searching further, they also found Freya unconscious in his office. The firefighters were able to put out the flames, but all that was left of Sweetgrass's prize tree was a burnt stump. And yet, as the emergency workers trailed out of the house, confused by who would do such a thing and if it had anything to do with their missing mayor, the three teens were surprisingly calm. The adults just figured they were in shock. They sat on the back porch, their eyes drawn towards the burnt yard. While the twins would need to figure out a way to deal with the fallout of what had occurred with their father, they wanted to enjoy the brief reprieve they'd been granted. And Leela especially was relieved at the outcome. Her eyes trailed down towards Freya resting on her shoulder, and the weight that she'd been carrying the past several days is finally gone. She laces their hands together and squeezes gently, and Lil's smile grew wider at the squeeze she received in response. While this is happening, down by the woods, two teenagers stumble out and back towards town. It's a wonder how Betsy Plume was able to drag Mark Hammer to the ER all on her own, but it was a good thing she did. They both looked roughed up, but Mark in particular looked pale and drained. Betsy said that when they got lost in the woods, Mark made sure she ate first. No one questioned Betsy's story or why she was shrouded in a floral, peachy fragrance. She stayed by his side the entire time, and he made a full recovery in just a few days. He corroborated Betsy's story and dispelled the detective's suspicions that this may have been a kidnapping gone awry. The town grieved the loss of its peachy and investigated the disappearance of their mayor, but as you see these events unfold, as you see these kids safe and sound and know who Jack really was and the grasp he had on this town, you are certain that you have fulfilled your task. Very cool. Yeah, you guys did it! Yay! Whew. So what'd you guys think? That was getting hairy at the end there. I know! Yeah, I'm going to let you guys in on this. You were not supposed to fight him. <laughs> I was trying to make it so you guys didn't. Honestly, I think I should have made him harder because you weren't supposed to fight him. I did make a note at the very top of his character sheet in all caps, red, bold. They cannot fight this man without dying. But obviously you guys proved that wrong. So good <laughs> job. <Just> barely. <laughs> Alright, so what did you guys think about this chapter as well as the Monster of the Week system? I really enjoyed this chapter. It was fun to get to like solve a mystery and put the pieces together. So excellent mystery crafting. Oh, thank you. I do actually think Monster of the Week was harder than I was expecting. I've only ever heard other people play it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's only like, you know, like six moves or however many there are. Can't be that tricky. And at its core, it's simple. Like the rules allow for a lot of variation within those simple like movesets. But the combat was really hard. And the solving the mystery part of it was hard as well. Like what parts of it? Like the mystery and the combat? I don't know. I guess I was thinking more like when you play like D&D, even when there's a mystery, a lot of times the answer is punch it until you solve it. (laughs) Yeah. And we had to really think more laterally and do a lot more problem solving in Monster of the Week than I was necessarily thinking at the start. Like I know that's like the point. And I still was like oh, I actually have to like use my brain cells and rub them together and not just be like, you have to get over the cliff. How do you get over the cliff? And you're like, I punch a tree till it falls down. And then that, that you like walk across it. Like it's very different than that. 
I think part of that is just that our anchor did a very good job. Oh, thank you. Because I've only done a little bit of keepering, like keeping, keepering. So I kind of wanted to improve on what I did, not with you guys, but with my previous group. And so I was kind of like looking up tips on Reddit for like how to be a good keeper and stuff like that. And also combat. And kind of the thing is about the system is that combat is supposed to be very punishing. So like I want you guys to have cool combat moments and stuff like that. But I also don't want to just throw you in there because there is a chance that a big tree man will just bite you and kill you. You want to reward people for doing things other than combat. Yeah, and you guys did beautifully. You solved the mystery and also killed my tree man. And that was not supposed (laughs) to happen, so... Yeah, what about you, Dorka? Yeah, I thought it was a really fun game. I think you did a great job in particular. It was really something that we had to think a little harder about. Like, in Dungeons & Dragons, a lot of the time, you can kind of just go wherever and do whatever. And while it was kind of like that in Monster of the Week as well, the stakes were a little different. Like, there was something we were actively trying to prevent, something we had to solve before it got worse. Where a lot of times in Dungeons & Dragons, you can just be like, you know what? I don't feel like dealing with this problem. Let's see if there's something else we can do instead. Yeah, it's like an RPG with side quests. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this was all main quest. There really wasn't any side quest to do. So like, we had to be on it. Yeah, it was a main quest, but with like a few different locations that you could go to in different orders. Yeah, yeah. I guess what did you like the most and least about Monster of the Week? I think one of the things I really liked, and it's probably obvious for the listeners, um, is that it really has a lot of potential to play in the space and let your characters grow. And so I had a lot of fun with this one because I feel like it gave me a lot of stuff to do for Linda and gave me an opportunity to like get in her head and in her skin a little bit more. And that's like the creepiest possible way I could put it. (laughs) You put on your Linda skin suit. Yeah. (laughs) So it just gave me a chance to really like play and not worry so much about the actions as like the words and the situation, which was really fun. I expected at the beginning that that would be a huge strength of Monster of the Week and surprise, um, the really like storytelling heavy one um, allowed me to do more storytelling and more playing with um, Linda as a character. So I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. And so when we talked about everything before we started playing, I said that I really liked the idea of basically marking experience every time you fail a role. And I did like that. I like how I could level up mid-session after sucking at a bunch of stuff. (laughs) And now I can adapt to that and grow more powerful without like waiting for the whole game to stop and someone to tell me like, okay, you can go ahead and decide how you're going to level up now. Instead, it was like, all right, uh, I hit that personal milestone and now I'm going to level up. And that was really cool. I think it gives you opportunity to really adapt to your situation. And it keeps the game moving at a little bit a little bit of a faster pace than Dungeons and Dragons, perhaps. Yeah. The pacing was another thing that I really appreciated is we had to spend very little time looking up rules. Yeah. Which, you know, you might necessarily not see through the magic of audio editing. But with D and D you have to spend a lot of time looking up rules. Oh, definitely. Even if you know the game and even if you know roughly what you're doing, you still spend a lot of time being like, shit, like what exactly does that mean in this situation as opposed to Monster of the Week we looked up options a few times but our gameplay wasn't really slowed by having to be like oh no wait how does that magic work it was like okay go to the page that says magic on it and like read the like six options you do one of those which i think definitely allows for more flexible and much faster gameplay yeah kind of to add to the leveling up thing which i really like because monster it's supposed to be cinematic 
right? Like very narrative driven, very cinematic. You get to do cool shit and be a badass. And so I think like leveling up, it like adds to that because like it's like mid fight, you both leveled up. Suddenly Linda was doing crazy hexing out of nowhere. Yeah, you, you just like increased your power level and became like a super saiyan, but not like five episodes of power ups as you just like screaming at each other. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that if people request. I, I don't mind screaming into the mic. I kind of wish I'd screamed into the mic a little bit more as the villain and been like said scary villain things, but I froze and I I was like, this man is like well-spoken and charismatic. Like that's part of his charm. And I'm not. And I, (laughs) so I didn't, I didn't speak as him as much while we were fighting. Yeah, I think there was a lot of cool stuff in this game. I feel like this is the sort of game that is easier to play with only two players. Yeah. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, I feel like you're kind of limited by the number of players you have in the scope of what you can Uh, Like, if you only have two players, like we did, you're not going to have as many big epic fights, which sometimes is a good thing, because then you have a fight lasting four to six hours. Yeah. (laughs) But also just kind of limits your possibility, especially if, say, you don't have, like, a dedicated healer or the right composition of party. Whereas this, it felt like, since there is less of a focus on combat, it's easier to play with just a couple people and really easy to, as we said at the beginning of all of this, to pick up and play, to drop in and drop out. Yeah, and I feel like there was plenty for us to do in the world, even with fewer players. Like it wasn't like it was like a scaling thing and we just passed the same action back and forth. There was still plenty of stuff for us to do. And part of that again is um is kites jamming. You guys are so nice. <laughs> no, you did a really good job like giving us stuff to do, especially since I've never had experience with Monster of the Week. Like I feel like it was you did just a really good job like setting up the world for us. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like this sort of game really would benefit from an extended campaign, but this is sort of designed to be episodic. Like, I could really see this as one of those Monster of the Week TV shows that inspired this. Like, the same cast of characters just solving different weird mysteries every time. Yeah, and it can be like, oh, so-and-so's at college right now. So-and-so's on vacation. So-and-so is oh, has a werewolf curse and can't join us this week <laughs> um, or whatever. And you could still easily play a game like that where you're you're connected by a common thread and then whoever's there is whoever's there right and again because the universe is so flexible that allows you to do a lot of stuff with with the narrative portion as well like in terms of how the team fits together or in terms of what monsters you're fighting or in terms of the rules of the universe the actual rules of the universe for monster of the week are basically there are monsters yeah pretty much uh it's kind of cool to think about like i don't know if we if we do monster weekend if i would want to put you guys back into the same town or in the same universe but even then i I can still think of like, like right now, it'd be very easy to be like, okay, well, next week, um, we have to deal with the fallout of the fact that the mayors disappeared. What are the effects on Betsy now that she's been like possessed by a magic tree spirit? And then like Mark, cause he, he kind of got fucked up. Like what happened? What about him? You know, and all this stuff. Yeah. We could properly twin peaks it. You thought this was the mystery, but you were wrong. (laughs) There's a bunch of other weird shit. Yeah, I think I think this sort of system just really lends itself well to short form play. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For my own ego, who was your favorite NPC? I have a small soft spot for Freya because that poor kid, <laughs> I put her through so much. I mean, for me, it was probably Miriam. <laughs> because you got to do the nasty. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave it there. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> 
I like Tyler too because he made me margaritas. He just seems like a nice dude. I'd like in real life love to go hang out at that bar with yeah. him. Tyler did make me smile. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. So I like obviously you guys didn't touch on everything I planned because I did over prepare, which people shouldn't necessarily do, but I'm I'm anal, so I did. And so there's like a lot of different things. Like if you had gone into the forest to explore that a bit more, um, you would have found like Betsy's secret garden that she kind of goes off to on her own pre being possessed. And what you would have found is basically a different type of tree that is like kind of like another heart for the tree. And instead of like sacrificing the victims in some kind of like horrible, torturous uh, ritual, this part of the tree quote unquote saves them and then like drains them of their energy and stuff like that. And it was going to be like a big, like a man-eating type plant. I can't remember the specific species that I looked up, but it was like one of those ones that hang on a basket and whatnot. Oh yeah, those creepy mother yeah and it would have just been like a giant one of that that was like the heart for this specific side of the tree and then i feel like there's something else i wanted to do oh yeah like i kind of had their parents like betsy and mark's parents in the thing but you guys like didn't even talk oh it didn't even occur to me to talk to the parents no been watching too much riverdale (laughs) (laughs) teens only gotta talk to the trouble team yeah Yeah. Yeah. no this was definitely like riverdale inspired it ended up being not as wacky as i had intended but that's fine i think it turned out okay-ish i think it was definitely spooky oh really yeah 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 no those trees the vines and shit actually really freaked me oh really oh shoot (laughs) no no no, i don't mean like i don't mean like i can't sleep tonight i mean like oh that was spooky and then i can like you know continue on with my life so (laughs) Good word picture painting. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I uh, yeah, the vines um, were like to protect that part of the tree. Um, I had like all this all this symbolism and metaphor mapped out for like what I was trying oh, wow. to do. And then we ruined it by biting. Everyone. No, no, no. You guys are fine. Something I think would be cool if we ever do like get a Patreon up and running. Mm-hmm. I think one of our rewards could be like access to all of our show notes and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. God, mine are garbage. I like write them in cursive in my notebook and then I like doodle whatever is related <laughs> on there and smudge it all and spill beer on it and good lord. Yeah. Excellent. I'm a bohemian type. A bohemian type. Gotta gotta drink irresponsibly while I write stuff. I'm kidding, mom. <laughs> I drink responsibly while I write stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what other behind the scenes things that... Oh yeah, I had like a bunch of different kids planned out for who would end up being taken next, depending on what route you guys would have gone. So Tyler was going to be one of them, and then a bunch of other kids that just like never came into the picture because you guys didn't really like explore the festival at all. Like if if you had gone and explored the festival, then I would have put in a scene where you would have saw Jack like observing these kids mingling amongst themselves because his whole thing is like weird yeah he his whole thing is he takes people who like their disappearance could be either explained away or they could like no one would miss them and so a lot of times he would pick like high school boys and then he would pin it on like oh the girl went like crazy or something and like killed them oh wow yeah so he would basically like frame teenage girls as being the uh the perpetrators Ugh, doubly bad he's a bad man and then there's like some other stuff that I kind of like added on at the very last second. Like the whole thing between Frey and Leela, I think that was more of a last second addition that I did. I didn't use Jackson as much as I thought I would. Yeah, I don't know. Was there any questions you guys had about like my specific peaks behind the screen you want to, uh, you have questions about? 
I don't think so, but I'm definitely going to want to pick your brain about some GMing experiences maybe once we've all had a round. Oh, yeah, that'd be a fun, like, side episode. Oh, yeah. So what are you guys' least favorite things about Monster of the Week? So when we were talking about what we liked just now, um, Ziva talked about how she felt like we weren't really stopping to look up rules very much, but I'm not really sure I agree with that because... Ooh, discourse. (laughs) we weren't really looking up rules but we did have to stop a bunch of times to like oh i rolled this number on act under pressure what are my options now yeah and so while i found that the smaller moveset was pretty all-encompassing and definitely less complicated than dungeons and dragons there were a few times when it did feel a little limiting to me in particular the investigate a mystery role asks you on a success to ask questions about what you're investigating and while i get this is to encourage a more narrative approach Sometimes it was a little frustrating in cases where I didn't know what I didn't know. Like, if I'm rolling to search for physical clues and I get a certain result, I have to ask questions, these broad questions. And sometimes these broad questions were basically the same questions that Linda had already mostly asked on her turn when she investigated. So I think the Tome of Mysteries helps with that a little bit because it gives you a little more freedom than just going off of the, here are the six questions you are allowed to ask. And I definitely appreciated that the Tome of Mysteries let me pick an alternate weird skill besides use magic, which seems like it might not have been super useful. But I think sometimes, like, yeah, I did have to keep flipping through the book to find out what my options were after using certain moves, which kind of seems like it defeats the purpose of having the reduced moveset. Yeah, I do wish that the playbooks came with like uh, like an additional cheat sheet. And I think there is an additional cheat for sheet. For the base that, moves, um... yeah, there is. But okay, I don't yeah. know about if there's a cheat sheet for the Tome of Mystery, like additional moves. Yeah, not that I not that I have found. Um, not that I'm the expert by any means. So yeah, I definitely I definitely agree about that, that some of them like kick some asses relatively straightforward, but some of them were not so much. And I do think that there's some stuff I would like to house rule with Monster of the Week that like if we played again, yeah, I'd like to change it so that you could ask those investigative mystery questions or you go at the tome or maybe like you find three clues instead of you ask three questions. Mm-hmm. Or something like that that allowed for a little more flexibility. Because, yeah, it's like asking the same questions repeatedly in slightly different situations doesn't always make sense, mm-hmm. narratively or gameplay-wise. And I personally think my biggest problem with Monster of the Week is, um, I mean, like, I enjoyed it on the whole. Um, I don't have a ton of complaints. It's mostly stuff I'd like to house rule. Oh, the other thing I didn't like is the ratings system. I know we talked about this a little bit during the character creation. I found it a little bit limiting um, just because there's definitely like I wanted the charm plus two because that was really important for Linda but that also came with weird plus two which is not so much her and then cool was zero which again I feel like is not so much Mm her Um, and so I had to kind of work with that the best I could Um, and again if I'd maybe like created a character instead of um, putting Linda into this universe it might have been different but that was not my personal favorite yeah yeah it's just less fun to play with yeah I think I stand by what I said in the very beginning which is that this system is much more about using the playbook to create an original character than having a character in mind and building the playbook around them yeah 
The other thing about Monster of the Week that I don't love love is that it can be hard to build characters for any universe other than Earth but weird. Yeah. And that's definitely something that Tome tries to help too, right? Because they have like all the mad science stuff and they have a section in there about like what makes it a gothic story versus what makes it a mad science story and so on and so forth. But... I would have a really hard time if I wanted to do a like like medieval werewolf hunters or something like that. I don't know how you would even take that. I think you'd play a different game. Yeah, the thing about power by the apocalypse systems is that they are very like specific and they are just like different yeah. themes and reflavors of each other. So as opposed to like adapting Monweek to a medieval werewolf game, you would probably find a more medieval themed already existing power by the apocalypse game. Or you could just make up your own, I guess. Like you could just take the base power by the apocalypse system and just do your own thing. That's true. Yeah, I know there are a lot of games under that Powered by the Apocalypse umbrella. (laughs) There are so many. And I think the settings for each individual Powered by the Apocalypse game is part of the appeal. Like, I think for this game in particular, like, the point is that it's on Earth and that everyone's just kind of a normal human, except for your group and the monsters you're hunting. Yeah, I'm just, I'm very spoiled by D&D in that regard, because there's like 87 million things you can do under the like high fantasy setting. And you could even absolutely do like a really low fantasy setting. So you could absolutely do like um, the Kingdom Come Deliverance of D&D games, where it's like, there's no magic, okay? We're all just hitting stuff with swords, and they're just like Normans or whoever. (laughs) If you wanted to, I think that would be a very boring game. Like a man named Norman? Like they're all named Norman? Like the Normans, like Normandy. Oh, I like my idea more. <laughs> yeah, I like your idea more too. Now I want to play a anti-Norman game. No offense if you're named Norman. It's uh, it's nothing personal. The Normans of rats and rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I uh, yeah, that's just like my like personal thing is I'm a little spoiled by how creative people can be with D and D campaigns versus Monster of the Week, which still has a lot of room for creativity. Don't get me wrong. But like, you aren't going to come up with anything super wacky and out there based on just the stuff that's available to you. Well, if you want that sort of game with this sort of aesthetic, I do have a couple recommendations. Of course you do. You are on it. I have played a game using the Savage Worlds mechanics, which I'm sure we'll get to someday, called Rippers, which is basically your Victorian monster hunters. And so that's kind of more of a old-timey monster hunting system. Savage Worlds is a very different rule set than this, so there's not really any comparison there. Another game I've liked that does have a more similar rule set to Powered by the Apocalypse is Blades in the Dark, which is another one I'm sure we'll get to at some point. That one has a lot of similarities, like the playbooks, stuff like that. They do use D6s in that one too, but often more than six. And that game has a very interesting rule set, which is similar to Monster of the Week in a lot of ways, but sort of the format of how the game is played is very different. And someday I'm sure we will get a chance to show that to everyone. Yeah, and you did actually just remind me one of the games I'm really excited about playing um, at some point is Beneath the Cursed Moon, which is gothic fantasy. Ooh. It's got like gothic fantasy monster hunters. So I found it because I was like, is there a Bloodborne RPG we can play on this podcast? <laughs> and the answer is not a legal one, but this does exist. <laughs> Please don't sue us. 
yeah, no, don't don't come for us from software. Um, I feel like you'd be very hard to beat, and it would take us a long time. <laughs> and I wonder, are there any games in the Powered by the Apocalypse rule set that are more of like a traditional fantasy setting? Do we know that? Uh, there are. See, there's so many Powered by the Apocalypse games, I actually can't recall. Yeah, there's just so many of them. It's like, who even knows? Yeah. And like Powered by the Apocalypse, it's very easy to slot something in. Like, we could just make, like, it'd actually be cool if at one point, we all just took a system. It doesn't have to be the same system. We all take a system and we just make up our own game and we just play that. Like, I think that'd be really interesting. That would be cool. I think it would be much easier to do that with the Powered by the Apocalypse rule set than it is to do with the Dungeons and Dragons oh, rule yeah, set. Definitely. Oh my gosh, immensely. Yeah, with D&D, you can slot in like, I thought of a cool monster. Here's a monster it's kind of like, but like, forget it if you want to do anything different than that. Because Dungeons and Dragons is so tied up in like the magic mechanics mechanics yeah that it's kind of impossible to create something separated from that yeah yeah absolutely well i really enjoyed this is my first powered by the apocalypse system and i really enjoyed it i thought there's a lot of benefit to this approach versus the crunchier approach and i'm really looking forward to if i can jump in the one i'm gonna do which is gonna be somewhere kind of in the middle it's really D&D inspired, but much, much more storytelling focused. Ooh. So I'm going to really enjoy seeing how that plays out and how that compares. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and tell us um, what we can expect from you in our next episode? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do 13th Age next episode. And we're going to do 13th Age, like based in the main 13th Age world. So I'm not going to be doing anything homebrew this time. We're just going to be doing nice and straightforward. But um, I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't played it before and I have just started looking into it. But um, it came highly recommended. So I'm going to give it a shot. So I've not heard of that one. Can you give me like a quick summary? Yeah, it's actually based off of D&D either 3.0 or 3.5. And basically the authors of it went, I love a lot of this, but I don't love how mechanics focused it is over storytelling focused. So they put a lot of emphasis on character building. And one of the really cool things about characters is that every character has one unique thing. Like a lot of their stuff is built around how to make the characters unique and sort of break out of like your archetypal mode or just class and race. And so I haven't done as much diving into it as I should before mentioning it on the podcast. (laughs) Shame. (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, It's almost like uh, I've been working my butt off recently, but... um, You'll be an expert by our next episode. Yes, I will. I'm really excited. I finally have some time off. I'm really going to like sit down and get cozy with 13th Age and have a ton of stuff to talk about next time. So yeah. It's um it's based off of D&D but it's more character driven and they really put a lot of emphasis on making your characters unique and cool and special even within a world where everyone's unique and cool and special. So <laughs> so it's going to be really fun. Yeah, it sounds super exciting. I am hyped for it. I'm really hyped to get to anchor for it. Do you think there's anything else we still need to touch on or do you think we've just about covered it? No, I think we've got everything. Yeah, I think so. I think we've pretty comprehensively talked about monster of the week. Mhm. Well, with that being said, then I'll see you guys in two more weeks when uh, we break into 13th age. Cannot wait. All right. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye. Dice out. Now. Game. Game.
This is a fifth edition D&D actual play podcast. Decla rolls her eyes. Gorgeous sighs at the amateur. Casney wakes back. <laughs> Darren points and laughs. You find a potato. I give you a very disapproving look. Express disdain is a camper. Casney, help! <laughs> Maybe we're just celebrating life. Come on! Shut up! Yay, the power of imagination. My clothes are innocent. Why, you bastard. Kasni sighs deeply. (laughs) I ship it. Welcome to the dumb party. Blame the dice. It's alright to blend into the night. Dawn is going naked. That sounds like an awful idea. We left him alone for one day. Yeah, you just hear a loud dong. Well, that's not uh, ominous. Doesn't the sunset every single day? Yeah. No. We have a mystery to solve. Next time on Four Fools in a Chair. Dice Out Now game. Find us on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Kite, and Siva. Find us on Twitter at, at TheArchivesPod or online at TheEternityArchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from ZapsPlat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful Monster of the Week resources. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Eternity Archives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.